Rusty Quill presents. Why do you care what I think about your novels? I asked, surrounded by breakfast foods. It was just the two of us, as well as Lucy, but Lucy was eating cat food. There was far too much food for either of us to eat in a single sitting. I worried that Raphael had done something wasteful, in order to demonstrate something to me, be that his wealth or his kindness or something else that I couldn't determine. I reminded myself that wasn't my business, nor was my imagination the limit on the range of possibilities. I continued to eat while I waited for him to respond. You know, I've been asking myself that exact same question, Raphael Muslani responded, in between bites of French toast. I wondered how early he must have gotten up in order to cook all of this. You are not a typical reader of Raphael Muslani. You'd just as soon pick up a stuffy book you learned about in college as read my books. That isn't an insult, by the way. It's just a different way of engaging with literature. Some people like to read David Foster Wallace on the plane. Others show up to the airport without a book and end up reading Terrible Help is Hard to Find, and they end up liking it, too. But I'm not exactly sure why I'm so interested in what you specifically think about my novels. I think it has to do with that exact relationship. You are not a typical reader. Therefore, if you say that something is worthwhile, it seems more important, more valid. The irony is, of course, that I can never fully please you, and in trying to do so would likely alienate my actual audience. I think that being aware of that goes a long way towards preventing it, though. A bagel rolled off the counter and landed on the floor. Neither of us moved to grab it. It landed among a pile of other bagels that had met a similar fate. There just wasn't enough room on the counter for all of the food. It almost felt as though there wasn't enough room in the entire cabin for all of the food. Where were all of the ingredients for this food before it was made, I wondered. Surely those ingredients would take up a similar amount of space, in which case I would have seen them. There didn't seem to be nearly enough cabinet space to house the amount of ingredients to make this amount of food. It seemed like more and more food was making its way off the table and onto the floor every second. Lucy, who had finished her meal already, was absentmindedly batting around a blueberry that had escaped. She seemed uninterested in eating it. That is all true, I think, I said. Even when I am enjoying parts of your novel, I can tell that they weren't made for me. That's okay, but it definitely halts the momentum of enthusiasm that I have for the novel, sometimes. For instance, in the Sizemore reduction, I'm not sure that's the name of it yet, Raphael said. Right, the cover was blank, I remembered aloud. It could have any title, he reminded me. Right, I agreed. It could be titled The Sizemore Reduction, he said. Right, I said. In the novel, there is a side character, Lawrence. Lawrence O'Connell, Raphael chimed in. Lawrence O'Connell. Not a very important character, but one that stuck out to me. You wrote Lawrence with a strong Irish brogue, and you wrote his speaking parts in the dialect. I found it irritating to try and figure out what he was saying, and when I deciphered it, it turned out that he wasn't saying very much at all. You could have achieved a more pleasant effect by telling the reader that he was speaking with a strong accent and making us believe it, rather than writing it out and slowing us down. I could have done that, Raphael said. But would you have really added the accent in your mind? Would you have added it exactly how I wanted you to? The average American doesn't have the experience to hear a perfect Irish brogue in their mind. But if you read the dialect on the page, that doesn't matter, so long as you have some idea of what I'm going for. And you wouldn't inconvenience yourself enough to actually imagine the accent if I didn't make you. 
But why have him be Irish if you're going to have to inconvenience the reader like that? I asked. It is as arbitrary a position as not having him be Irish, he said. But enough about side character Lawrence O'Connell. What did you think about the main thrust of the book? The scrambled eggs on the counter seemed to be growing. They had overtaken the sink and were making a slow stretch toward the window. It was hard to think that gravity was the sole driver of their movement. Surely gravity would pull them downward toward the ground. At this rate, they would escape out of the window before I could answer Raphael's next question. The mountain of soft-boiled eggs was staying put. I love soft-boiled eggs for breakfast, but my appetite was almost entirely depleted before I even saw them, among the dragon's hoard of other food. I felt as though I was tracking the movement of the different categories of eggs instead of actually answering the question. The sunny-side-up eggs had begun to cool and become more viscous. I don't think that I have a problem with the main story of the novel. It's another time travel novel. It doesn't beg you to understand time travel, which I appreciate. Time travel authors can be so cloying. They demand more from you than any other genre novel, and they give you the same, or less, for your troubles. Time travel usually doesn't make sense. That's fine, but adding paragraph upon paragraph of explanation on top doesn't make it better. You end up in the same state of confusion that you started in. I appreciate that you just say, Sizemore's from the future, and leave it at that. You don't even get to see the real time machine. Sizemore the character, Raphael said. Yes, I said. Not the Sizemore reduction, he added. Yes, I said. I waved a cloud of powdered sugar out of my face to prevent myself from coughing. I continued. And I do like that your main character loses everything in the end. He doesn't get what he wants and he doesn't get what he deserves, but the ending is still fulfilling. It doesn't feel like he was robbed, it just feels like that's how you created the universe for him. Doesn't he get what he deserved? Raphael asked, mouth still full of crepe. He was going to kill a billion people. You never said how high up he was at his job, but it doesn't actually matter, I explained between bites of breakfast burrito. I could feel my body physically getting larger from the food. One person does not create a product that kills a billion people on his own, I said. I like to think that Sizemore literally took a crowbar to the poison generating machines or whatever, Raphael said. I didn't look up how pesticides are made or how large a team would have been involved, I just wrote the story. I had Fritz Haber in mind, the genius chemist who both made the current population of the world possible through the Haber-Bosch process, but also invented chemical warfare and doomed humanity to even further unspeakable cruelty. Happily doomed us, I might add. It's not a one-to-one -one relationship, of course. I just took what I needed. Raphael seemed satisfied with his answer. He drank from a gallon jug of milk. Lucy was rubbing against my leg and purring. I had learned to better appreciate Lucy's affection since the last time we met, but I felt so bloated from overeating that the warm fur against my leg felt irritating. Still, I did nothing to stop her, lest I ruin our newly formed friendship. What are you going to do with my feedback, I asked. The book appears to be done. You already have a bound copy of it. What does it matter whether or not I like it? It seems too late to change anything. I'm going to think about it. That's what I'm going to do with it. There doesn't have to be any more or less to it than that. I could think about it and keep it in mind for the next time I write a novel. I could write some suggestions into the novel that I'm writing right now. I could write a novel about you showing up to my cabin and telling me what you thought about the novel. Or I could not. I could just think about it and never act on it. It is still something that I would rather have than not, he said. He gestured at me with his fork. Eat up. The waffles are going to get cold. The idea of eating waffles was repellent to me in that moment. I don't think that I could eat a waffle even if I tried, I said. Fair point. I guess I did make too much food, he said. Don't judge, please. It was in the name of hospitality, after all. I understand, I said. So, what are you working on now? That's actually a really interesting question, Raphael said. I have a nasty habit of writing my books in a linear fashion. 
I start at the beginning of the book and end with the closing lines. Sometimes I have an idea for what happens in the middle, and I forget about it by the time that I get there. It's not a good process, but that's just how I've always done it. So with this new book, I started with the final chapter and have written backwards from there. Every sentence precedes the sentence before it. I've written ten chapters like this so far. The last ten chapters, I suppose. I've left them in the order that I have written them in, so the book is backwards. I'm thinking of keeping it that way, but I think that my editor is going to push back against that. It's a bit difficult to read, but I like it because I can come up with a conclusion and work backwards from there to figure out how things ended up that way. Coffee? He asked and walked over to the coffee maker. No, that's alright, I said. That sounds like an interesting process. I bet it can get confusing trying to make sure that every sentence precedes the sentence before it, but it might make you make choices that you wouldn't have made otherwise, which is the point of a writing exercise. What's it about? It's about a fish, he said. Well, it ends up being about a fish in the end. The fish used to be a man. He got turned into a fish by aliens who wanted to study him. I haven't written to the point where they explained to him why they're doing that yet. The last part is just about him living as a fish. He gets caught. That's how it starts. That's how it ends. It was over. The jig was up. Wow, that'll be good eating, won't it? The man exclaimed. He was ripped from the water and pulled ashore. That's how I started writing it. The jig pun is a bit too much for me, I said, but it is an interesting premise, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Or, from whence it came, I suppose. I'm excited too. So, what are you working on, Eliza? He asked and poured himself some coffee. Black. I'm walking until something happens. I'm reviewing every Raphael Muslani book as the perfect reader of Raphael Muslani. It's worked out so far, I said. What is the conflict? What threshold will you be pushed over that forces you to adapt and overcome? He asked. I don't think I'm the one who has to decide that. I think that as long as I exist, that will be decided for me, I said. And you will feel about that exactly how you will feel about that, and no other way, Raphael added. Like we talked about last time you showed up to my house. Are you planning on starting to walk again soon? As soon as I am done with this conversation, I said. As soon as you hand me the next piece of the story. The last ten chapters, he said. The last ten chapters, I said. And will you be coming back here when you are done to tell me what you think? He asked. You will be wherever I end up after I finish the last ten chapters. There was no reason to return here. There is more to discover out there. The world is big, I said. The world is big. Some people have said that, sure. Raphael Muslani smiled. Let me get you your copy of the last ten chapters. I even wrote Eliza's copy on the top of it before you even showed up. You were always going to read the last ten chapters. I know, I said. Raphael grabbed my copy of the last ten chapters. It was sitting on top of a bookshelf. It was slightly dusty, and Raphael shook the dust off before handing it to me. It had been up there for a long time. It was a binder containing hole-punched loose pages, maybe 100 in total. The first page had Eliza's copy written on it in meticulous handwriting. He took special care when writing those words, care that I had not known him to have when choosing words for his own novel. He graciously opened the door for me, and I stepped back out into the world. Take care, Eliza. Ditch the book if you need to. There's no need to go out of your way to hold on to it. It can be dangerous out there, especially if you don't have your hands free. I'll remember that, I said. I turned to leave and began the lengthy trek to my next destination.